declare that we need it. We need hope. We want it. We feel it, right? We, we, people are desperate for hope. Have you had any conversations with anybody lately? <laughs> There's a sense of hopelessness around. People are sick and tired of 2020. They're saying things like, well, just that. I'm sick and tired of it. Um, what are we even going to do for this Christmas? Uh, 2020 sucks. There is graffiti around Brockville. Aunt 2020. You can fill in the blank. It's, it's why we need hope. People are desperate for hope. And the good news is, hope is here. I'm so happy to declare that. Uh, for those of you who know me, you probably know I am an advocate for hope. I am typically a hopeful person. Now, yeah, I have had my seasons of hopelessness throughout my life, but by and large, I am a hopeful person. And I've always been like that. In fact, one of my first memories of being hopeful was way back in Christmas of 1975. I was hopeful. I was 11 years old and I was hoping for a 10-speed bike. That's what I was hoping for. And now I'm the oldest of four and so at the time my sister was seven, my brother was eight, and my other brother was 10. And I was two days away from being 12. Hoping for this 10-speed and in our family uh, around the Christmas tree we take turns and so Kim gets a gift and, and then Andrew gets a gift and he unwraps it and then, and then Dan does and then it's back to Kim and then Andrew and then Dan and then Andrew and then Kim and then a finally Roger pajamas. Well what's going on here? You know, I'm seeing slinkies and soccer balls and etch-a-sketch and sketch pads and colored pencils and all these wonderful toys and I've got pajamas. But I'll tell you, I was a smart kid. I knew my parents were fair and that they would spend the same amount on each kid. And so I was figuring it out. Well, if my brothers and sister are getting all these little gifts that are nice, I wonder if I'll get one big gift. And so I waited it out. And thank God Almighty, <laughs> I got my 10-speed bike. I figured it out and it worked. So my hope was realized. Thank the Lord. You know, there is a proverb that says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. We need hope. And you know, in this season in particular, this year of COVID, of physical distancing and canceled gatherings and weariness from isolation and fear, we need hope now more than ever. And so, over the next four weeks, your pastors are going to explain and demonstrate that in fact, you can have hope as our Advent season begins. You can have peace, you can have love, you can have joy, even in 2020. Imagine that. And this is all in preparation for our Christmas Eve celebration. Now, you can register for an in-person Christmas Eve 
service online, and Pastor Jason is going to come and talk about that at the conclusion of my message. Today, I'm talking hope is here, all about hope. And like the intro video said, hope became flesh in Bethlehem, and his name is Jesus. Now, if you're not a believer, stay tuned. Don't turn me off. I'm going to explain to you why you can have hope. And if you already are a believer, don't tune me out. I want to dig into this fact that we are instruments of hope. We are a representation of Jesus to everyone we encounter. Now, if you ask most Christians almost any question about life, they're going to give you the answer, Jesus. And that isn't a, a simplistic answer. It's certainly not a pat answer, because honestly, for many questions about life, Jesus actually is the answer. And I want to explain it to you this way. I want us to look at an example of why I believe that's true. It's in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 14. So if you brought your Bibles with you, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. If you didn't, uh, the scripture will be on the screen. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry. So they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it, and they protested. Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? So Jesus is appealing to their esteem of David. Verse 4, he went into the house of God and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses? Now he's appealing to their respect of their ancestor Moses. That the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he had noticed a man with a deformed hand. And the Pharisees asked Jesus, Does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, If you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull him out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored, just like the other one. And then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. What a reaction that is. Now, what has this story got to do with you? Why would you even care? 
Let me tell you why. Because Jesus is our hope. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, if you've got people throwing accusations or throwing arguments at you, Jesus is your hope. Whatever nonsense they're throwing your way, whatever unfortunate circumstance you find yourself, Jesus is our hope. And there are a couple of things that I want to point out to you about how Jesus reacts to stupidity, to the stupidity of legalism, and to the cold-heartedness of people, how he reacts. Number one, there is this practice or methodology, it's connection. Connect your present circumstance to a past circumstance, maybe in your own history or in someone else's life, that's an example, or through scriptures. Connect them and draw a parallel. To the Pharisees of Jesus' day, he compelled them to think about what they already knew about scripture. Verse 3, Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. So Jesus and his disciples, they were under attack for something completely stupid, for breaking heads of grain, harvesting these things because they were hungry on the Sabbath. And they came under attack for that. Have you ever come under attack for doing something kind of normal in life? If so, I want you to have this hope. Hope in Jesus. He will defend you. He is your defense. Gaining some insight by connecting one's present dilemma with something in the past, whether it's your own past or a scriptural example, can give hope. You will gain insight and hope from that. Whatever you're facing, Hasn't God already proven himself to you? All the hard circumstances that you faced, hasn't God always shown himself faithful? Believers, they know this to be true. Be a believer. So that's number one, connection. Number two is this. It's a characteristic or a trait. It's compassion. So we have connection and we have compassion. Compassion brings hope. And I get this from verse 11. If you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. Now imagine being that man. And the people around you are talking about you. They're arguing about whether you deserve to be healed or not. Oh my goodness, that's nuts. Where is the compassion? Could you imagine how hopeless this guy might have felt in that situation? But then we get our Jesus. And he is the king of hope. And he declares, yes, the law permits a person to do good 
on the Sabbath. Do not misinterpret the law so stupidly. You know, when I read scriptures like this, I get ticked off at the Pharisees, and I'm far removed from them. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Jesus in his day and for his disciples who had come under attack and, and for this man with the deformed hand? But you know what? For all of Jesus' logic, for all of his insight, for his thinking using connection and compassion, he still had people who were bent on his destruction. Because even through all of that, what's the final verse? Then they set a meeting to plot how to kill him. It's absolutely crazy. But even with that rotten reality, that negative circumstance, Christ did not lose his hope. Hope is not dependent upon one's circumstances. That might be hard for us to believe, but this is the truth. Hope is not dependent upon one's circumstance. The fact is Jesus himself personifies hope. Hope became flesh in Bethlehem, and his name is Jesus. He is our living hope. I want us to look at Jesus' reaction to these people who were plotting to kill him. Matthew 12, 15 to 21. But Jesus knew what they were planning. So he left that area, and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them. But he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. Jesus' reaction to the people who wanted to harm them wasn't to lash out. It was, get out of Dodge. Get out of the way. That was his reaction. He didn't lash at them. He left them. And he continued on his mission, doing what he was called to do. And I want us to make an application to our lives. If people are coming after you, saying bad things or whatever, don't lash out. Don't lash back. Just leave it. Get out of that situation and continue on with the ministry that God has called you to. That's our application there. In Jesus' day, he healed. And rather than make a name for himself, he sought humility. Don't let anyone know who I am. He kept it under wraps. He wasn't looking for a fight. He wasn't looking for a soapbox. He wasn't looking for a public forum. But rather, he was looking to raise up the weak. And isn't that good news for those of us who feel weak? That is good news. That is hope. Jesus is looking after you. 
Jesus is a humble king. He is not about beating people up. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Jesus protects the beaten down. He is the hope of all the world. You know, a few weeks ago I was reading this. It was in Psalm 42. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. It sounds pre-COVID to me. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. These are the words of King David. He was feeling kind of hopeless in this particular circumstance, whatever this situation was. He was feeling down. So what does he do? He turns his attention to God, and hope is restored. I have been affected by circumstances, just like you guys. We are all affected. I've been affected. I have hoped for healing and haven't received it. I have hoped for certain job promotions in my past and didn't get them. And as I've thought about these types of things, there's a marvelous thing that God does as I talk to him about it. It's like he says to me, Raj, I don't want you to put all your hope in a certain outcome. I want you to put your hope in me. Jesus has been growing me up in those situations. Now, I still talk to him about these favored outcomes that I want, but I don't put all my hope in the outcome. I put my hope in my Jesus. If you are in that situation, hoping for a new job or a new relationship, whatever it is that you're hoping for, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to switch gears. And not so much hope in a certain outcome as put your hope in Jesus completely and entirely. Because today's reality is that sadness, disappointment, discouragement with everything COVID, all of that. It's part of what life is for us right now. So what better time than to grab hold of the hope that is Jesus, Jesus himself, his person. Hope is here. Say it with me one more time. Hope is here. Amen. It's a truth. Now my final thought is this. It kind of feels to me like Today's message is brought to you by the letter H. And I'll tell you why. We started with hungry disciples who harvest heads of grain. A man has to hold out his hand for healing. And Jesus is a man of humility and is the hope of all the world. I want you to invite him to be your hope today. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray together. Our at-home viewers, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as I pray for you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven,
you give the best gifts ever. And the greatest gift of all is your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you that you came to earth to rescue us, to rescue us from all of our sin and all of our plight, to exchange that forever that would have been apart from you for a forever with you. We thank you so much for that. You are our hope. Father, I pray for all of our listeners here in person and online as well. Show up in their lives, oh God, I pray, in a new way. Reveal yourself to them. Fill them with your hope, your very presence, that we would be transformed to reflect your glory. In your wonderful name I pray. Amen.